Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We are in a series looking at the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, and from the letter written to them for the last 2,000 plus years, Christians, preachers, students of the Bible have been mining out the riches and treasures of the letter to Ephesians, which the Bible is an incredible book of books, 66 books, and you can spend a lifetime just in certain chapters of one of those books. And we are not planning on spending a lifetime preaching on Ephesians, but I pray that through preaching on Ephesians, you will spend the rest of your lifetime diving in and digging into the riches. So we have different volumes on that. This is volume four, where the topic of focus is community. And that is about the connection between Jesus and his people, between Jesus' people and Jesus' people, And between Jesus' people and where God's heart still is, connecting people who have yet to meet the wonderful Jesus that you and I, and I hope everybody in the room and everybody watching, you've already come to know him as wonderful. Um, Prayer is the focus of this series. Praying for you last week and today is still praying for you because we should never get finished praying for people. Last week in Ephesians chapter 6, we kicked this focal point off where Paul begins to close the letter and he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then he said, pray also for him. Pray for me, he said, that God would keep giving me words and that I would preach them fearlessly. He was in prison when he wrote this letter. He calls himself an ambassador in chains, literally. He was a prisoner, and he asked not that he'd be delivered, but that God would make him fearless, fearless in preaching what God would have him preach. Last week, I encouraged those who have ears to hear to go on a 21-day challenge with me. Um, And that challenge would be to, to pray daily, and if you missed that challenge and you want to pick it up, there's nothing magical about launching it last week, I would challenge you to consider taking 21 days to pray for somebody in your circle of life that you know has yet to meet Jesus, really know Jesus, and then also for somebody in your circle of life just being selective. There's no magic guidance to who that is. It's not like shaking up something and a name pops up, but just somebody that comes to your mind and take 21 days and focus in and just pray for them. I'm going to be honest. I have been praying since yesterday that I know the word infection is, is, a, is a bad term because it's about picking up something that's going to hurt you. So I won't use the word infection, but that's the first word that came to me. I thought, I better not use that word. But I would like you and I to pick up something today that we can't get rid of, and that would be that from the moment now until I'm finished, this message, a couple hours from now, no, uh, this message that you and I would develop a deeper passion to pray for people. The method is not as important. I'm not going to focus on the method yet. I just want to say this. If you have a heart for others, lift that heart up to God. For somebody over the next 21 days, if it's starting today, or if you're with me on that, I'm not going to ask if you are, but I'm, I'm still going on with that. 21 days to lift up an individual that God put on my heart to pray for that 
he would do all kinds of things to, to create pathways for them to come to know him. And also for someone specific in our church family that I've just been praying and, and, and uh, for that person. And in my life, and this isn't a law or a rule, I was inspired last week when I was preaching and I said Daniel prayed three times a day and God put it in me, a grace, not a guilt, not a have to, but a want to, to carve out about three to five minutes of space in the morning, around lunchtime, and in the evening to pray three times a day. So there is somebody in my life circle that I am praying a concentrated laser prayer to God three times a day for, for the Lord to lead them into the pathway of peace to come to know the wonderful Jesus that I know. And also for somebody in our church family that I'm just laser focused on. Not that I like that person better than anybody else, but just somebody that the Lord just dropped. I challenge you to be open to do that. Imagine what could happen in somebody's life who's yet to know Jesus if you spend the next 21 days focusing their name up to God. It's not who's doing the praying, it's who's doing the listening. What could God possibly do? Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I guess all we can do now is pray? I guess that's all we can do now is just pray. I guess all we can do now is get the guy that can fly that F-18 and shoot that balloon. I guess that's all we can do now. <laughs> Before that, it's just like, what is it? What is it? Boom. That's what you do. So we're going to we got Ephesians in our back of our mind, and I'm going to add a passage from the Gospel of Luke. Luke was Paul's best buddy, best friend. When Paul was dying or going to be executed, he said, everybody's left except for Luke. He's the only one that's still with me, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. How do you know it was Luke? It says it, Luke. That's how you know. So in the 10th chapter of Luke... Let me give you the picture where we are. Jesus has sent 70 of his disciples, two by two, out into villages that he had planned to go to in the future, and he sent two by two, 70 of them, out into those areas to announce that he would be coming to pray and do the ministry, and then follow up on that with him, by himself. When we come to the place that we're going to look at this morning, that, that group of 70, they're back. Imagine the ministry buzz that's going everywhere. Imagine it's Jesus of Nazareth is viral. Viral. In the north, in the south, beyond Israel, along the coastal regions of Tyre and Sidon, and even up into Syria. Jesus of Nazareth is viral, okay? Not everybody's happy about that, but a lot of people who'd never been to church before and never wanted to go to church, when their cousin got healed of leprosy, they got interested in God. Someone's eyes open up, hmm, let's check this out. That's what's going on. Big groups of people are coming and going. And we find Jesus two miles outside of the city of Jerusalem in this little speck of a place called Bethany. And he's with three friends. He loved everybody, but he had the inner circle. And then he had friends who weren't really in the inner circle of discipleship. They were just friends. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we know from John that this was not just a casual friendship. This was a deep friendship. It says, and Jesus loved Mary Martha, and Lazarus, deep friends. And he's at their house. And wherever Jesus would be, just imagine, just imagine if you started healing people in Cumberland, downtown. And then you announced it on a local radio station that every day next week at 10 a.m., you were going back downtown. Do you think anybody would show up? Right. So he's at this house. Imagine the crowds that are trying to get in the house, outside of the house, 
And that's where we're picking up this story. Here's the verse. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha, and I love this, opened her home to him. I love that. Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary. And now we know what's going on. Jesus is there. I'm sure, I don't know what they served him. I don't know what he was drinking. I don't know what he ate. I don't know where he got to sit. I don't know if he even, if he even got to sit. I don't know what's going on. But Luke indicates to us that Mary is seated at his feet. That phrase is a discipleship phrase. It's a term that was used for disciples who were following a rabbi, seated at the feet. You're, it's, a teaching, it's a teaching idea. She's listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations, now look, that had to be made. Now, I don't know if, the, I'm, sure that there, I'm sure there were people there that she knew, and I'm sure there were a lot of people she didn't, and she doesn't know what to, what do you do with that? I'm standing in the back of this room today, and it's exciting to see, and, I, and, and, and there's two sides of me, and there's two sides of our leaders here. One is, isn't it great to see all these people? The other thing is, what if everybody that says they, they are LOH people who might come a couple times a year or might come six times every quarter or whatever. But what if all of a sudden all of them on the one week go, you know what, Martha? Let's get back to our church. That hits me. What if somebody, in a moment that we pray over the next 21 days happens to target somebody that we don't know has the potential in the kingdom of God locally to become another Simon Peter and catch a whole bunch of fish. This is a picture of a lot of people beyond the regular preparation showing up into Martha's space and things had to be done. A lot of times, anybody that has a little bit of Martha in a good way, uh, they don't like this text. Martha, I'm going to take that yoke off of you because there's not really a whole lot wrong with you in this text. This is not Mary's doing it the right way, Martha's doing it the wrong way, and let's not do like Martha. That's not what this text is about. That's what a lot of people think it's about, and that's not what it's about. So Martha, if you tuned out, tune back in. I know we're going to talk about Mary, just so you know. I just saw every Martha smile a little bit in the room. Okay? She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? I don't know if you know that or not, but that's a prayer. I mean, we pray to Jesus because he's, in our view, up there. Jesus wasn't up there. He was right there. And this is a prayer, so to speak. Jesus, Lord, Lord. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? And then if you look at the, at the, at the wording in the original language, the, the emotional emphasis of the conversation shifts. We see it by the exclamation point after me. So she shifts from don't you care to a demand. Tell her to help me. Martha, you feel that? Tell her to help me. Jesus' response, Martha, Martha. Now, don't project your emotions onto how Jesus said that. I want to show you how he said it and what it meant. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I brought this passage up in our Tuesday morning staff meeting that ended up going 90 minutes because I just opened, I went can of worms, open, vonk. Sometimes leadership is not about solving problems, it's about creating them. And in the conversation, which was a great conversation, initially we all just talk about the top layer of soil when you read this text. What's up with Martha? And Martha goes, what's up with Mary? Oh, it wouldn't be nice to sit around singing Hillsong music all day long. We've got potato salad to serve to the people. You get that? Miss Spiritual, with, you know. And you're, well, why don't you just every now and then put your work clothes off and come and get in with the Spirit of God? <laughs> That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. This is not about how do we get Martha to have a good vibe. That's not what this series is about. Now, in most things that I've looked at and even thought and how I've preached this before, I end, I've always ended it there. But Luke doesn't. Luke didn't put chapter 10 and 11. Like I've said before, sometimes when you see a chapter, you go, oh, that's over, new thing. Not here. Not here. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, it's not the same day, but one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, it can look like, okay, that's over, this is over. I don't think so because I think I've studied Luke long enough to know that he's a very strategic developer of thought, and I believe that Luke has strategically placed this story about Martha and Mary and Jesus ensconced between the 70 disciples ministering and a long, very powerful teaching by Jesus on prayer. Right between the two, he places this story of Martha and Mary and Jesus. I think it's intentional. I think it's strategic. I believe it's placed there be, and guided by the Holy Spirit, which made me put this next uh, slide title, Intentional. Luke, if you're an old movies person, Luke is the Paul Newman of the gospel writers. Let's go to the next slide. Let's go to the next slide. Cool man Luke. Um, what I love about Luke is he is so into details. He's a doctor. He's always about details. We've talked about that before, and he's always about it. He sees things that nobody else sees. He's watched, G he's watched Paul. He's heard all the stories, and he doesn't just tell you a little bit about something. He tells you details. Like with Zechariah, he tells you what tribe he's from. Elizabeth, what tribe she's from. Simeon, here's how old he was. Anna, she was married. Not only was she married, but she was married 84 years, and he goes to all all these details. He's doing something intentional here when he places this story in between ministry action and energy and prayer. He's given us a picture and he's saying, you know what? Chapter 10 needs chapter 11, but I want to create the idea. I want to be a leader by the Spirit to create a problem that's underneath the surface so many times in very good-hearted people that can get you off track and get you just slightly attitudinal in a wrong place, either way, and the remedy for it is right after the story. And Luke points that out. The first thing I, that, he, that he is showing you that you don't know unless you dig deeply is, out of all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke does something the others don't do. Every time you turn around, he's talking about somebody praying, and every time you turn around, he's showing women, women lifted into a higher place than they are ever seen in culture, ever. It's, all, it's from the beginning. It's from chapter 1 to chapter 24. 
A woman gives birth and a woman's at the tomb. Luke shows it all the way through like no other writer. Women, women, women in a healthy, holy perspective. And that's what he's showing about this passage. It's not that Mary was super spiritual up in the clouds. He is saying all the people who sit at the feet of a rabbi are men. All the women do is what Martha is culturally doing. And so there's more going on here than just she's not helping. Mary has come into a place that really was not somewhere that you were necessarily supposed to be, and Jesus speaks up for her and says, no, 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 this whole thing's changing. In other words, hey, I'm going to make it so men are as responsible to work the nursery as the women. Hey, 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 guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I don't even have to say anymore, do I? <laughs> in the Jewish synagogue, they had a, a place for the women and the babies. While well, the guys dug into the word. It's a man's world. Jesus, Jesus flipped. I know some of you, I've lost you. You'll, I know you'll never be back. He flipped it all. That's what's going on in this story. That's what's going on in this story. Women are not only ministered to, but they're in the inner circle of Jesus. Only men could sit in that position. And Jesus, what I put up here, elevated women to a rightful place. Rightful. So that's the cool thing Luke is showing here. Got to give Luke his props. He's cool. And the second thing he's showing is what I said. He is setting all this up for a teaching about prayer. So that's Luke. Now, Grab hold of Ephesians again. I'm bringing Ephesians over here. What we've looked at in Ephesians so far, you got time for this? What, we're, what we've looked at in Ephesians so far is God gave his son who died on a cross, was, was raised and ascended to the highest place, and in that act, once and for all, anybody who believes in that gets to experience the riches of the grace of God, the ultimate over flowing downpour of rain soak you, forgiveness of God through the blood of Jesus, the power of the resurrection in your life, the power of the dunamis spirit of God in the gathering of people every time they meet, the promise he would do it, and the purpose for every individual believer to glorify God before they die on the earth as the Lord strategically leads us, even when we don't know it, into moments in his providence and his provision so that every one of us make a difference in our life, in our family, in the church, and in the world. That's what we're saying. Every individual person in Christ is rich in that. And Paul is praying always that we stay with our minds open, our eyes open, and the light shining, so we know that. But we're not the only one. The you is plural, every one of us. That's why if you've noticed the last couple of weeks, my prayer between the songs to, the, to Jesus, where you gotta float across the water so we don't lose the Holy Spirit, I'm trying... Anyway, I'm trying to make you think about people around you, not just you. It's not just a channeling in, oh, forget about yourself, don't think of no one else, and worship. That's not the way it is. Vertical and horizontal, you can't have one without the other. Sometimes when you don't amen me, I get nervous. So that's that. You bring that story, you bring that story into this Luke story, and we see there's a crowd of people coming into a house that this blessed lover of Jesus, Martha, 
opens her home to him. So let's not knock Martha. She opened her home to him, which created pressure beyond norm. Let me tell you why. Because in that culture, hospitality and how you treated people that showed up on your porch, if you didn't go over and above, actually even treat a stranger better than your own family in a moment like that, it was considered disgraceful. Don't forget that when we talk about an imagery of prayer that Jesus uses in a minute about the guy coming at midnight. There's a big reason why he, quit, he didn't quit asking because if he didn't provide, it's a disgrace. So you got the pressure of making it all work with the 12 or the 25 people that are at their church or whatever. And, you know, it's easy to do for 25. It's hard to do for 2,500 if your model is 25. So Martha's opened her home and didn't realize that it was opening her home. And she's under the pressure, I've got to come through for these people because if not, it's going to be disgraceful. I have this magnet I have on my fridge. I've talked about this ad nauseum to some of our leaders. It's a picture of Ethel and Lucy in the chocolate factory. Do you remember that? Anybody ever watch that? Now, when you watch I Love Lucy, you got to be careful. There's all kinds of cussing, and it's really a bad show. I mean, you got to really watch. Better get your whatever your, your Christian zapper filter on there because you, no, not really, not really. So, right, there, it, the, here comes the little, the little conveyor belt with the nice little cute chocolates, and, and, he, and Ethel's like, this is easy. It is. Well, they don't actually eat yet. They're just wrapping them up real cute. Hey, let's put a little more wrap on there. Oh, look, look at them. Look, this is great. And here comes the boss woman in. You guys are doing great. Yeah, we're doing so great. All right, that's practice. Speed it up a little. What happens? Here it comes, man. And they're like starting to, and it's a little bit faster. Next thing you know, it's still going. What are they doing? Stuffing it in their mouth. Stuffing it. You know what? Leadership lesson 101. They needed more arms. Now, when chocolates drop off the table, that's one thing. When sheep drop off, it's another. And if we lead at the pace of the practice conveyor belt, if we have a model for 25, when 255 show up, you can't swallow them and stuff them and hide them in the closet. That, for people that really love the work of Jesus, can be an overwhelming, overwhelming, kill you dead, blood pressure rising experience. And the last thing that the leaders like that need is someone just to say, I'm praying for you. That's not what we're wanting. We're wanting people on the conveyor belt, not prayers. Sign him up. This is every ministry, every ministry leader. I don't care what size church. And if that isn't happening, your church isn't doing anything. But in order to transition from your mouth being stuffed with chocolates, it requires prayer, and then the revelation that comes from the right kind of prayer, or our prayers are like Martha's prayers, and let's take a look at Martha's prayer. Prayer is talking to God. Was she talking to God? You know, kudos to Martha. We're going to give her kudos in a minute. Stop the clock a little bit. I want to take a little extra time. <laughs> Sign him up. <laughs> take him around with me. Where's Roberta? Where's my laugh? Where's my... Um, she's talking to Jesus, no? 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was in her gift. She was in her element. This was her ministry, and she opened her heart to it. So let's not knock her. She came to him and asked. That's prayer. He's on the earth. Lord, don't you care that my sister, and then she shifted from the ask to the positioning. Tell her. Now, her, her posture, her posture is filled with assumptions. Assumptions. The words that she says in her prayer to Jesus indicates she's figured it out and she's bringing what she's figured out to the Lord. Here's what I, I preach the, I've preached this before I, when I go and ask, if I'm ever asked, and most probably never will anymore, but when I get asked to speak at a leadership thing and people want to pick my brain on something, I, a lot of times I, 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 I preach a lesson I call lessons I've learned from living on Dumb Dumb Street because that's where I learned all my lessons. I never figure it out. I do it the wrong way and then go, oh, geez. It's one thing to blow out your stuff privately. It's another thing to blow it out publicly. I think Martha blew it out privately. I'm hoping. That's her posture, now her passion. She shared her passion. She was passionate. But her passion came across like this. It showed her emptiness. When we're serving on empty or near empty, and we're serving Jesus, and we are doing our gift, and we are in the heat of it, and we are all about wanting people to meet him and know him, whatever circle you're in in our church or whatever, and you're passionate, but when we're serving on empty or near, and we're under pressures assumed by the culture of the church or the culture of the city or whatever. All those things are real. And we long to honor the Lord and we want to be used to accommodate the needs. That's all good. But we can fall into envy. We can look at somebody else and go, I've said it before, have you ever said it? It must be nice to just... Must be nice to just come to the corn roast and just sit there and eat corn. Must be nice to just come to the marriage thing and just enjoy your marriage. Must be nice to be able to come and eat the pizza on Wednesday night and not have to set it out for it. Must be nice. I was going to let the Holy Spirit do the meddling, but it's kind of fundamental. So... Why do you know this, Tim? I remember when we were at the little building over at Livy's, I think the only people that are in our church now that were in the church then is Ken and Helen and Karen and, and the, uh, the McDowell's. Huh? Sorry? Oh, of course. And Susie Q. And if you'd have been there then, you would have heard Susie Q and I sing a Motown song at a, at a karaoke night, right, where the neighbors around us judge us for not being very good Christians. Anyway... <laughs> And it's all Susie's fault because she added parts in there like Aretha Franklin doing all this. <laughs> we fall into envy. We think we're missing out on something. And, and because I've done all these, I've done this. I remember that we had this ice storm on a Friday night and a Saturday, and the steps over there covered with ice, and uh, 
Usually Kenny McDowell is the guy that was always the guy, always the guy. For some reason or another, we couldn't get that. He was probably doing 10,000 Martha things and always had a good spirit, never had a bad spirit. Never, ever, 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 ever had a bad spirit. If you don't know Ken McDowell and Helen McDowell, uh, you're missing out on a blessing. But I went out there like 10 o'clock that night and I had this big pipe and I started bashing the ice chips off the off the sidewalk, and I was very Martha-y in a bad way. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to be there? Why do I have to be? Oh, I was so not saved. <laughs> I wasn't even close to being saved in the sense of my side of it. Aye, aye, aye. Bash, bash, bash. Blah, 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 blah. Um, there are certain things that you have to do at certain times in your organization or in your business, that you just have to. If it, you can't go, well, I'm just not going to do the payroll because we don't have a bill. I'm just not. You've got to do certain things. No one's going to do it if you don't do it. But then, there, thankfully, it comes to another place where you don't have to do that anymore. I remember when we were renting out the Votech Center, and uh, we, had to carry, we had to carry all this and put it in a storage place. They wouldn't let us keep it out. We had to move it, put it. We had to pack it up, take it every Sunday morning. Remember that? Tim Wharton, Kenny, a lot of you guys. You guys were there. I'm sorry I didn't say that. I always overlook my family. See, I'm too spiritual. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? You forgive me? Now I'm going to feel bad. Sorry. Why didn't you tell him? Why didn't you go, we were here. <laughs> Lord, tell him to remember us. I'm sorry. Gosh, how do I, anyway. Boy, oh boy. So anyhow, when we got there and I was helping carry this and that and the other, there was a bunch of guys there who said, listen, you can do that, but we don't need you carrying speakers when there are people here that still need someone to pray for them. So I was always thankful for that. I wasn't above carrying the speakers but the place I needed to be was not the speaker place. We can have faulty evaluations of God and God's people when we're running low on empty, even if we're in the place we're supposed to be. She says, she already has a, you don't care. She wouldn't have, she didn't say, I wonder if you care. She had already decided you don't care, and she was bringing it up as a question. Don't you care? Have you ever had anyone do that to you? Have you ever done that to anybody else? You already decided, and the question isn't a question, it's an accusation. Don't you care? And then she has that extra. Tell her. Again, when we do that privately, it's one thing. When we do it publicly, I'll tell you what happens to us. We lose change in our pockets with people. I'm going to tell you something that happened here about 15 years ago. You know how like you all come in in the morning and you're getting your coffee and there's a big crowd out there? Well, I had two leaders in our church. They're not here anymore. And I love them and they got it. But the short version was they had allowed running on empty to, to, to really get empty in both their lives and they and their personalities clashed, their, their paradigms of how to do ministry clashed, and they didn't like each other, and they both told me privately they didn't. That was a joy. <laughs> Here's another email on the update. They blinked wrong three times last week, blah, 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 blah. That's always fun to add to your thing when you're trying to hear God and minister to people. So, one morning, during that time, where you all are coming in, picture it. Two of my, two, two of our leaders, known by everybody, one was heading up the steps to do something and the other one had to make sure that that person was doing their job description was none of the business of the other person. Made it the business and, made, and said one more thing. And it wasn't that thing that created what I'm going to tell you happened. It wasn't that thing. It was the 50 other things that weren't dealt with. And in that moment, I watched two grown men turn around in front of all the people one grabbed one by the chest and threw him into the nursery. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> you don't have any idea how fun this ride's been. <laughs> threw him. Quick home. 
somehow or another, they settled down. We had to do church after that. <laughs> I watched it and had to preach. It's very important you pray for me every night. So after church was over, they're both in the back, and I was sort of Christian then, and I said, I want to talk to you guys. And so I said, I want you both to go back in the nursery where you belong <laughs> and don't come out until this is fixed. Do you know you can't do that in a lot of churches or that'd be the last day you ever pastor? God's protected me. And I looked in, I peeked in, and they were in there, oh, I'm sorry, high five, low five. You know why that happened? Because they were excellent guys. They weren't jerks. They were 1,000% sold out to the work of LOH Church and all about it. But when you run on low, don't be surprised what can happen. Publicly, one guy said, I'll just, I'm just going to resign. I said, no, you're not. You're not resigning. Nuh-uh. We need what you're doing. No, we'll work on this. People said, we'll, we'll work on this. You know, we'll, we'll stay together. We'll stay connected on stuff. And it worked out. But I said this. If you ever do that again publicly, you're out. Because people have to be able to to trust your leadership. They have to buy into you before they buy into what you're trying to sell. And we're not selling anything. It's vitally important that the unity of this, this is more important than what we do. The family bond together. Don't destroy a bond of friendship over a ministry value, ever. And nobody is exempt from that. There isn't anybody as, uh, as anointed as Jesus. I want to show you something. When, when we lose change in our pockets, when we give people a piece of our minds, others watch our brains fall out. And then they don't trust us the way they did before, even though they won't tell us. F.F. Bruce said it this way, you can be as unfaithful to God through caring as well as through coveting. When, when these things begin to present within us, it's a sign that our water level, that our bread level, that our Jesus level is too low. It's a sign. Now, with all that said, I want to talk to Martha and give her props If we followed the 12 around with Jesus, we would never probably ever let them lead anything in our church. I love how Jesus comes to the rescue for people when they just do the thing that shouldn't be done. He says to her, Martha, Martha. In the Jewish culture, when you say something once, it's one thing. When you say something twice, it's, it's for great emphasis. He is calling her by name twice, which is not a sign of rebuke. It's a sign of endearment. He looks at her going off the rails, bossing God, and he doesn't say, <laughs> instead, he says, Martha, Martha. 
On every Sabbath in, in, in Jewish culture back in that day, you'd greet somebody and you'd say shalom, like it's the Sabbath day, peace to you. But many times you would say shalom, shalom, which means I wish for you perfect peace. When Jesus would say, truly I say to you, actually he never did. He said, truly, truly, I say to you. He is saying, I, with all sincerity, am telling you the truth. And when he knows that Satan wants to intercept Simon and bring him down, he says, Simon, Simon. This is what he's doing with Mary, Martha. Martha, Martha. You are troubled about many things, but here's what he's saying by that. I care deeply. Listen, Martha. Listen, Martha. Listen. Jesus is saying, I care deeply about your many's. And it's not that he cares deeply about your many's so you can get over your many's and be used by God because all he's got us in here for is to use us. That's not Jesus. I care deeply about your many's because I care about you. Your many's are not the, I care about you. Martha, Martha, I, don't you care? I care about you. You. He does say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, I will straighten you out. He says, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My load is light. You'll find rest for your souls in your opening your home and meeting the needs that are way beyond your ability to do. I'll give you the grace to do it. You are more important than your ministry. Our ministry is not a separate entity from our relationship with Jesus. Our ministry comes from our relationship with Jesus. Luke places this story between a ministry adventure and about prayer. He places this story right there to trigger within all of us the Marthas and the Marys and the Marys and the Martha and the Martha and the Martha and the Mary and the Mary and brings it all up there. And, and, and this, is, this, this wasn't intentional, but this is all chapter 10. And you pivot from that into chapter 11. And I thought, chapter 11, chapter 11. When you think of businesses needing to file chapter 11, you know what you're doing? You are saying, like Michael Scott, I declare bankruptcy. You are saying, we're, we're, we're draining dry. We're out. We can't meet payroll. We need a reorganization. We need, we need a, a, a proposal on how to reorganize and restructure our debt we, to keep our business alive and pay our creditors off. We are filing chapter 11. I want to tell you that what we all constantly need to do always need to do is approach prayer chapter 11. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. You'll be comforted. I'll give you the kingdom and I'll satisfy your soul. You have to turn from a, I've got it going on. It's my ministry. My No, no. Without you, Lord, without you, I am nothing but in the way. Without you, my ways are going to get in your, without, I am chapter 11. Lord, I don't care if I can raise the dead. I'm still chapter 11. I don't care if you've used me and I've got books and I've got tapes and everybody says, I want to hear you again. I want to hear you again. No, 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 no. Lord, I, I, I'm, I am nothing. 
I am nothing. I need you. Martha, I get it, but I will never take from Mary what I'll never take from you. Your choice for the best part. I'll never take that from you. I use that story to send us in the 11th chapter about praying for one another. Praying for one another is asking for a friend. Stay with me now. They come and they say, teach us to pray. And he says this, when you pray, say, imagery of Jesus. Wow, God, set us free from every image except the imagery Jesus creates about prayer. First thing, Father, Father. Isn't that a completely different view than, you know, judge on Mount Sinai with thunderbolts just barely with your clipboard out. If he does it one more time, he's out. I'm going to lift the Holy Spirit from him. I'm going to, what, all that. when you pray, you're aligned with me. You being aligned with me tunes everything you say into the key of my beloved. So, Father, and then give, notice this, give, what's the next word? Us. Do you see that? Give us, not just me, give us. The images he wants us to embrace in prayer are two, father and friend. God is our father, and listen, God is our friend. God said Abraham was his friend. God said to Moses' sister and brother, who thought because they were related to him, they could walk in Moses' space with God. God didn't give them permission to walk in Moses' space. And God set them straight and said, I talk to people this way, but I talk to Moses face to face like a friend. In other words, you're not my friend. He's my friend. Now we all can be friends of God through Christ. So when we pray, we're praying to a father and a friend, and we're praying for our friends. Watch this. Here's the image. Then Jesus said this, and he used this. And again, it's the cultural pressure of making sure you meet the need of somebody that comes to you. And the reason this guy will not give up when the guy on the, who's his friend on the inside says no, he's like, look, I can't do no. I, you can't do no. If you do no, I'm going to be a disgrace. So I'm going to open the door. That's the image Jesus gives us about prayer. You go to a friend for a friend. Suppose you have a friend, God, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Look at this. I underlined it in intentionally. A friend of mine on a journey. That's who's sitting next to you. We're all on that same journey, and we're friends. I used to have a whiteboard in my office for staff on Tuesday mornings years ago when I had a lot of different personality types with a lot of edge in every personality wanting to go a certain way, and I, on t purpose, put at the top of the whiteboard for everybody to see, relationships trump ministry goals always. Non-negotiable. A friend of mine, it's hard to be mad at your friend, and it's hard to stay mad long with someone you're praying for. Once you get through the straighten them out, God, tell them to this, God, and you let the Lord settle you down, and you go, what? This is the guy. I used to say to people, you're mad at a guy that I saw you laughing with riding go-karts in Atlanta, Georgia. Think of that guy. That's your friend. That's your brother. I need people to do that for me every now and then. A friend of mine is on a journey. He's come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Really? That's, that's the way we should think. 
When I'm greeting people, if I'm doing the nursery, you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost to do the nursery. And you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost to lead children's ministry as well as serve in it. This is easier right here. I get to drop a load of wood in your feet and I get to drive my car home and go, good luck. <laughs> I have no food to offer him. What is this among so many? Five loaves, two fish. What can we do with this? What's Jesus say? Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up, give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask. Don't gripe, ask. Seek. Knock. Mark Batterson, a colleague of mine in the Assemblies of God, and the privilege of meeting him and being in circles with him, he said this in his book, Draw the Circle. He says, God is still honoring spiritual desperados who crash parties and climb trees. He is still honoring those who defy protocol with their bold prayers. God is still honoring those who pray with audacity and tenacity. We are praying to a friend for a friend, and every one of us are connected, and there is bread for all. And well-fed believers give people food without frustration. Well-fed. Well-fed believers give the food without the vinegar. Give the food and don't lose the change in the pocket. Don't, don't make a statement pro, uh, passive-aggressively. No need, no need, no need. Do you know most people have gotten saved through a friend? Most people come to church because a friend invites them, not something that's out on a social media post, although that's great. Most people have made a connection to a church and the gospel through simply the same way it all started. Andrew went and found his brother Simon and said, come and see Philip and Nathaniel, friends, come and see. I believe they went to find Philip because James and uh, John were connected and Peter were connected, and they said, hey, we got a buddy named Philip, and they went to look for him. Friend to friend to friend to friend to friend to friend to friend. And we're gonna close with this, almost. Mary, Mary. Mayor, Tim Skiles made a great statement in our Tuesday staff meeting. He said, I've never met some, anybody in all my years in ministry that sat at the feet of Jesus the right way that didn't see the need to be a part and serve God in the family of believers the right way. I thought, wow. So why I'm saying that is this. There are people who seem to be always seated at the feet of Jesus, not contributing. But I don't know if those people are really at the feet of Jesus because if you're at the feet of Jesus, really the Jesus of the Bible, Jesus is not just about come up here. Jesus is about let's go down off the mountain. There are people with trouble. There are people with, I am sending you out. So if we're really at the feet of Jesus, he's about others. So, what I mean by that is what I put up here. Don't use the Mary portrait to justify an excuse for not serving and helping out. Hello. <laughs> Prayer, Miles Monroe said, is earthly license for heavenly interference. Not many actions can move a heart more than somebody witnessing you in their presence, pouring out your heart for them to God. I watched this TV show 
and this, this, uh, this guy and this, they're, they work, they're work colleagues and the, uh, the, the writers of the show, they're kind of threatening this thing where it seems like they're going to get together, this two, and you're sort of rooting for it. In this one scene I watched in the last episode, the, the girl looks at the guy and she says, burden me, meaning open up your heart and tell me why you're carrying, burden me. And I thought, wow, that's what Jesus says to us. Burden me. Come to me. All of you. Heavily laden. Bring it to me. I'll give you rest. Not so you quit, but so you do the tough stuff, and it's tough, man. But I'll let you have rest. We are created to change people's lives by the power of another life, not our own. And in order for that to happen, it all starts and flows from the kind of prayer that says, God, I have nothing but I want, there are people around me that need bread. There are people around me. We want to help people. We want to accommodate. I don't have answers. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what, Lord, you do. You see it all. You know it all. Please, God. And in the midst of that, I want to walk in the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace within the community of faith that you've placed me in, and you have the blessing of God. I want us to just continually be dynamically enhanced by the presence of someone that's not us. I challenge you. Would you stand, please? I challenge you to spend the next 21 days, and if you're in that, God bless you. Keep going with me. I'm going to do it. To pray laser-focused prayer in the circle of your life for somebody that's yet to know Jesus. You may be the person that leads them, probably, maybe not. But how, and for somebody in your circle of faith for the next 21 days that you just say, God, Lord, I just lift up and you say the name that you would I tell you the investment of that is is beyond anything that we could ever do. I've never our, ch- our church is in great shape relationally, and I give God all the praise for that. I'm just like, in case you wondered, you're here. I wonder if something's going on. No, no. Our church is in really great shape relationally. Thank, thanks be to God. But Anybody I know that's been in ministry anywhere and they went through a church split, I've never met a soul. I don't have any colleagues in ministry over 30 years that said our church split over doctrinal differences. The final act of the split had something to do, and they'll tell you what it is. It's just like with people in marriage. We split up. What was that? Well, she said, and it was, you're like, what? That was the end. That's not what. That's what... The car was already going off the cliff. It wasn't the last foot. It wasn't the fact that they said, I'm tired of you leaving your underwear in the bathroom on the floor. That's not what did it. That was the final piece that pushed it over the edge. Churches don't split over the deity of Christ, over issues of salvation. They split over the piano moving, or two ministry groups showing up at the van on the same day, arm wrestling over who's worthy to take the van to the camp. Over things that have no, those guys that did the morning sumo wrestle deal and threw one there, it wasn't about what happened that morning. It was about all the stuff that happened before that morning. Churches, the demons that I've watched try to get in any church, including this one, always come through issues of relationships that aren't dealt with in a Christ-like way, always. And so while things are good, 
it's a good time to say, above all else, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And the way to live in the bond of peace is to is, is continually file chapter 11, pivoting out of 10, to the one and say, I don't have the bread to feed these people or myself. I am at your feet and I bring from the lowly place my brothers, my friends to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning and I thank you for this word. I thank you for the time I'm given to preach it and share it. I'm thankful for ears that hear and listen. I thank you that you can take this word and you are taking this word and you're planting it in the soil of souls. I thank you that it's going to produce much fruit. For when we receive the word planted in us, we will be blessed by God. I thank you for every person here that's serving and working and doing your work. I pray for those that might be weary in well-doing. I pray that they would find a moment today and then continue on being refreshed at the feet of Jesus. Some of us need to once again not muscle up but declare bankruptcy again and come back to the Lord and say, I have a friend and I need a friend. I pray that God would release a grace this morning for every person here that needs that. You are ta- you look and see your conversation, your attitudes, your thoughts, all that. Listen, don't be condemned over that. There's not a person I've ever known ever that hasn't been in those places time after time again. And we all need to do the very same thing. We come right back to where we always know is true Sabbath. It's at the feet of Jesus. Come on now. Heavenly Father, I pray that would happen today and this time before we leave in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.